0: Me and Drew are kind of like two little crows that were like, here, we brought you little oddities and curiosities. Let us leave yes. it for you. We're crow bros. We're cr- <laughs> <laughs> crows, before I know. Bro- crows before bros. Crows before bros. Yes. Forever. Yes. This is Drew and this is Olivia, and, and we, we all are what? <laughs> we are on it
1: all. So, as a first podcast episode, I feel I'm just gonna say it. I'm feeling really nervous but excited, like Disneyland mm-hmm. excited. Yeah, like I'm gonna make a mistake. I'm not gonna get the things I want to get done. I'm not gonna get to ride Splash Mountain, mm-hmm. but I'm still gonna have fun.
0: <laughs> I feel like I. Am going on like a first date Mm. and like got the butterflies in my stomach, but I have a good feeling about it. Although I'm not going on a first date with you because I've known you forever. Yeah,
1: and we're not going on a first date. And we're all
0: our weird topics. No,
1: maybe maybe your metaphors. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're like. So what do you like to do for fun? Oh, I don't want to know what you do for fun. Um, but I I did have already like a a nightmare about this, but in a good way. Like in a, I didn't want to mess it up. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to be chill and it's going to be fun and it's going to become the greatest thing we've ever done in our lives. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. This is like a, um, inaugural, it's inaugural, right? That's a weird word. I think you can say it either way. What's the other way? (laughs) Inaugural? Inaugural. Yeah. Inaugural. I don't know. It's like a boat. <laughs> it's like a boat going out to sea, and then they put, it's our proverbial boat, and we have a proverbial champagne, and it's breaking, I don't know why they do that. I don't know. We're pushing it, it out. wasteful.
0: I know. Well, anyway. We won't be the Titanic, though. We'll be like a, a Disney cruise line. There's
1: a lot yes. of Disney. Yeah. But we do need to figure out who's going to go first.
0: Okay. Um. I, I don't care. Do you want to do a rock, paper, scissors? Okay, let's do rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Okay. You! That's. Wait, that's is right. that what that means? <laughs> Paper covers rock, I think. Right, but like me winning, does that mean oh. I go
1: first? Oh, maybe you winning, you decide if you want to go first or second.
0: Um, I can go first. Okay. Okay. My topic is about the Chernobyl disaster. Oh, man. So, this is a topic that I've always been fascinated by, but I did not know. A lot of the details until i watched the chernobyl series mm. and then i was like you know what this would be a great topic for the podcast and i get to do a lot more research perfect so we're Except
1: this subject isn't perfect but this is perfect right it's
0: it's far from perfect as a subject <laughs>
1: yeah <but laughs> this will make me want to watch the show because i yeah. am fascinated by it yeah
0: everyone everyone should watch the show okay So, I'm just going to jump right in. Okay. So, on April 6th, 1986, at 1.23 a.m. at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant, there was an explosion during a safety test, and the engineers and the workers at the power plant have no idea why this happened. By all accounts, this should not have happened. During the explosion, though, two of the engineers were immediately killed, and two more were injured by the blast, and... If that wasn't bad enough, after the explosion there was an open air fire that released more radiation into the air. Oh. And so although don't yeah. you want to be the guy that gets killed right away? I honestly like, that's like I feel so bad. But you for don't him. want to say that, but
1: but what people have to go through after.
0: Yeah. Like, oh, which you guys will hear about yeah it's really terrible which also that poor man those those poor men (laughs) i know and the thing is uh a lot of the engineers that were actually like closest to the reactor they didn't know that there was a safety test going on so they literally did not know what hit them oh no so right after the fire started firefighters were called to the scene at chernobyl and all they were told was that there was a fire they didn't know that there was any additional risk to it mm-hmm. they just thought that it was a normal fire
1: naturally i mean you would never assume <laughs> <Right? else. laughs> like, it,
0: like it was like a fire's a fire it was unprecedented yeah. <laughs> and they're like we're firefighters mm-hmm. this is what we do and so as they start to fight the fire though some get burns from uh, touching what appears to be rubble on the ground which I feel like is not a good idea anyway to touch rubble that's been around a fire yeah but it should not be giving you the burns that they got yeah (laughs) and then people started getting sick and throwing up and a lot of the first responders are immediately sent to the hospital after this 237 emergency response workers were hospitalized this was one of the like two of the biggest nuclear accidents ever to be recorded mm. and it rated a 7 which is the maximum severity on the international nuclear event scale and was 50 times the explode not I don't know the explosion but the radioactivity of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Oh my gosh, like together together. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so not that we were there to experience that. Right, but,
1: but you just know how bad that was. Yeah.
0: I don't know about you but I read about Hiroshima, and Nagasaki, in school, and yes, me too. Yeah, it was horrifying. So just reading about that, and then realizing that this was so much worse, and the fact that Godzilla is supposed to represent Hiroshima,
1: right? Which, which is like the cutest way to like work on your um, generational
0: trauma. Mm-hmm. But what kind of monster would come out of Chernobyl? Oh my gosh! Think? Someone, someone should make that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I wonder if any of the other like monsters that godzilla thought were supposed to be mothra is it you mothra (laughs) oh man we should try and figure that out yeah okay so after the initial disaster members of the scientific community as well as soviet officials are called upon to figure out what happened because they still don't know exactly why it exploded and to find a way to clean up the damage of course, though, when any explanation is brought up that might reflect badly on the Soviet Union, you can imagine yeah. it is outright dismissed mm-hmm. or the information is suppressed because they don't want anything that reflects badly on them. No. And so the first thing that is used to try and cool the reactor is a mixture of boron and sand, which would initially help it a little bit. Mm. However, scientists figured out that this will also cause more volatility. And if they continue to do that, it will cause another explosion that would be even more catastrophic. Do I know what boron is? It's like one of those
1: things I've read about. I but you immediately think of borax. I know. <laughs> like we're going to make slime. I, no,
0: that's not true. I same. would love to say that I knew exactly what boron was. And I probably should. You're like, <laughs> boron that later. <laughs> Oh no! I mean, there is more about boron later. (laughs) More about boron. So no, I don't know. All I know is it—it's supposed to help. It's supposed to help. Yeah, Yeah. but I think the it mixed in with the sand was causing it to be more volatile. And well, I'll get more into why it was. Uh,
1: I can't wait. Also,
0: I'm also really upset, but I can't wait. (laughs) I know. It it just gets more upsetting. So a couple things happen. Workers from Chernobyl are asked to dive underwater to shut off the water lines at Chernobyl because at this point, the water tanks are flooding and producing more steam, which can also lead to another explosion. Mm. So when the reactor first exploded and went off, one of the things that they were supposed to do was to flood the water tanks. But then later, they had all of this water just sitting in the water tanks, and this combined with the boron and the sand could make it explode oh no so three workers were asked to dive underwater and go and shut those lines off and then another thing that happened was 400 coal miners are recruited to dig underneath Chernobyl to stop a meltdown and basically create more space underneath the cooling pad Mm -hmm. that sits underneath the reactor because that's another thing that could eventually cause a meltdown yeah so for months they just dug underneath to like create more space after it happened they kept digging
1: right oh my gosh so they're working around it that's upsetting
0: yeah it is very upsetting no yeah and a thing that happened in the series that i guess happened in real life was it was so hot down there it was under the water uh, not under the water. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Like under, underneath. Underneath. Yeah. Like, when they were digging, that it was, like, 130 degrees. Oh, no. That they just had to dig with no clothes on because it was well, so hot. I mean, <laughs> you just get real comfortable with your I neighbor. Know. And you're like, I'm going to get radiation poisoning anyway. So. Everyone
1: keeps getting spots where they're like, May you should have that looked at. You should have that looked at. Oh,
0: that looked at. oh <laughs> like, that's really sad. We're all going to need to be looked at. Yeah. <laughs> so, eventually, after intervention from scientists and telling them that people needed to be further away from the reactor, the government evacuated the entire city of Pripyat, which Mm -hmm. was where Chernobyl was, and 300,000 citizens were displaced from their homes and bust out of the city of Pripyat. So it was just... Bus immediate. after bus. They immediately had to leave their homes. Oh, no. And they had to leave their pets behind. No, no. I know. Why? Did they say why? <laughs> because the pets might be carrying radiation. Oh, that would break my heart. i <laughs> like, I can't go. I know. I was like, I would find some way to smuggle Henry with me. Right. <laughs> the bag is just like, ah. But you're like, look, I have a trench coat for a reason. Yeah. But one of the things about the Soviet Union is that everyone was just so used to falling that's in line yeah. that it was kind of amazing that they didn't have anyone that was like getting upset or like putting up a fight. Mm. People just were like, OK, we got to go. We're There's gonna no pushback. The right. So I'm like, I guess that's a good thing. Their psyche was so beaten
1: down that they were like, okay.
0: Yeah. But in this case, it was for their own good. Yeah, that's true. And then, like I said, another thing that they had to worry about was pets and wildlife that would be affected Mm. by radiation because not only would they spread it throughout the city, but then they would eventually propagate and then those animals would have radiation as well. Right. So over 600,000 people were conscripted to become what is called in the Russian language liquidators to eradicate all the wildlife and the pets that were left behind in Pripyat, oh. which is so terribly sad. What? <laughs> 6,000 people. Uh, 600,000. Oh, 600. That's so many, how many, there's a lot of animals. There must've been, there must've been, I don't, I don't know like how far they went to like Ooh, eradicate yeah, animals. True. That might be part it's of not it. Like
1: Ukraine is small. It's a big place. It is a big place.
0: Um, Man, that's really... Yeah. I would not want that job. I know. Oh my gosh. That would be so devastating. I'm like, I don't know if I could just even do that. I just take off all my clothes like the
1: diggers and run <laughs> right off right <laughs> into the woods and live with the animals. I would <laughs> rather just
0: go right into the reactor than kill an animal. Yeah. Investigation into what caused the explosion started. So a safety test was scheduled to run at nuclear reactor for that day on the day of the explosion. And several things set this onto a trajectory of failure. There were so many things that happened that just added up to this disaster. Mm. The controllers had already lowered the reactor from its usual 3,200 megawatts to 1,600 for the safety test, which is standard. However, due to upper management wanting to save money, the test had already been delayed 10 hours. So at that point, they should have just stopped and said, We'll do this another day, but they decided. No, we want to continue and do the safety test. Mm. And actually the the main engineer that ran the safety test, Dyatlov, part of the reason he wanted to do it was because he was going to be up for a promotion. Mm. And basically the two men above him would be up for a promotion as well if the safety test ran without a hitch. So of course that ran without a hitch. Oh definitely. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can go Nothing wrong. Nothing went wrong. Another thing was that there was a shift change before the safety test. So the people who had been trained to handle the test were no longer on shift. Instead, engineers Toptamov and Akimov, neither of whom had performed this test, were running it. And they had received no training whatsoever. And Toptamov only had four months of on-the-job training and was only 25 years old. Oh, man. He was just a baby. <laughs> Ugh. I, I'm like, I can't imagine like being in charge of anything at that age, but especially like this very fragile system. Yeah. No, I'm sure he was very smart. <laughs> <laughs> He's better than us. Yeah. So a little bit about how an RMBK, no, RBMK <laughs> reactor works so we can understand what went wrong. Yeah. With because
1: them. I
0: remember reading about
1: it But I don't remember what went wrong.
0: It's it's fascinating. (laughs) The science behind it is so fascinating to me. It runs on uranium fuel, and as the atoms split, the reactivity goes up. Mm. But then there's boron control rods that then reduce reactivity. The water that is flooded into the tanks then cools down the system and turns to steam, which creates a void. And this is a positive void coefficient. And the more steam present the higher the reactivity, which creates more heat, which creates more steam. So it is kind of like a cycle. right? And then there's a negative temperature coefficient is introduced, which then reduces reactivity. The element xenon is created in the reactor. But normally xenon, which would not be good to have buildup in the reactor, is burned away by the high temperatures. Mm. So at this point in the test, though, it's not hot enough for this xenon to be burned away. Z- it was Xenon's fault. Wasn't it? it was Xenon's fault. I mean, it was a lot of things. A lot false. of things. Yeah. <laughs> so the power has dropped so dangerously low. Do we know why the temperature wasn't high enough? Yes. So the reason it wasn't high enough is because it had already been reduced, and then it by was... by the boron. No, not by the boron. Oh. For the safety test, I it saw, was already right, reduced. Right, right. Okay. And so it was not running at its usual power, and so. They should have just done the test then, Yeah. but then since for another 10 hours, it just sat at that level, then the temperature and the power wattage just dropped drastically. Yeah, Yeah. that's a recipe for actual disaster. It is. So now at 30 megawatts, so it usually should be running at 3200, it is at 30 megawatts oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> the xenon is still being created and not melting away, and the reactor is not producing steam. And so to try and stabilize it, Akimov and Toptimov remove 205 control rods, all but six, and so the fuel has now gone cold. The uranium has nothing stabilizing it, the steam is increasing, and so is the reactivity. And the power is surging, and so now they decide to do an emergency shutdown using an emergency button called AZ-5, or as they say in the series, AZ-5. I think it sounds cooler. AZ-5. And then that inserts all the control rods at once. However, what they don't know is that these control rods have tips made of lead, which actually increases reactivity. So they're inserting all of these at once. All these lead tips are going into the reactor, and it just instantly... Makes it even more volatile. All of these going at the same time is essentially turning it into a nuclear bomb. It's like they were poking a bear. Right, (laughs) but they had no idea. This reactor that is designed to run at 3,200 megawatts is now at 35,000. Oh no. (laughs) And that is the final reading when it explodes. The worst part of this is that the Soviet Union had already been alerted to the issue with the emergency shutdown with the lead tips meaning they could have prevented this, but Mm. they didn't want to admit that there was a design flaw. Right. Of course they don't. (laughs) But nothing changes uh, with this design flaw until one of the leading scientists who worked at Cleaning Chernobyl takes his life on April 6, 1988. And uh, this man is named uh, Valeri. And exactly two years after the Chernobyl disaster is when he takes his life... And he spoke out about the flaws within the reactor and he tried to make change during his life. But it wasn't until after his death when his memoirs were circulated among Soviet scientists that the Soviet officials were finally forced to admit their fault and retrofit all reactors so that this wouldn't happen again. Mm. I didn't get much into Valeri as a person, but... His story is really fascinating and they get more into that in the series and the podcast for Chernobyl. Now I will share some statistics with you about (sighs) what happened because of Chernobyl. So of the 237 first responders that were hospitalized, 134 exhibited acute radiation syndrome and 28 died in the following three months. Mm. And a little bit... Just so I can tell you how horrifying acute radiation syndrome is.
1: Okay, I'm ready.
0: (laughs) The first stage is the classic symptoms are nausea, vomiting, as well as anorexia and possible diarrhea. And it occurs from minutes to days following exposure. And then the next stage, the patient looks and feels generally healthy for a few hours or even a few weeks And then the third stage. In this stage, the symptoms depend on the specific syndrome and last from hours up to months. And then the people will either recover or die. But most patients will die. And it's basically a complete shutdown and, I don't know, for lack of a better word, melting of, like, the internal organs. Oh, man. Yeah. And kind (laughs) of like we talked about, like, looking at someone who's had... Radiation poisoning. Looking at their skin, it just looks like it looks like they're inside out, for lack of a better word. Yes, it's very disturbing. Yeah, which is just awful. I know. And they, these poor people, had no idea what was coming. No, no. And of it's like the, a
1: silent killer. It is a silent killer yeah. for
0: sure. And of the four hundred miners, at least a hundred died before the age of forty. Mm. Fortunately, the three divers that actually went underground to the reactor they actually survived after hospitalization. I wonder if the the water must have been like a buffer. Maybe. I think part, part of it too was far away. they weren't in there too long. Oh okay. It was fairly quick so I think that helped too. Yeah that makes sense. And there's no account of how many liquidators met in early deaths and the exclusion zone which are the areas of radioactivity. Is two two thousand six hundred square kilometers, and that is through like Ukraine and Belarus. Mm, okay. No one really knows how many people died from Chernobyl. Estimates are between four thousand to ninety three thousand. But to this day, since this happened, the Soviet Union reports that it was only thirty one. Oh, of course, yeah. And then finally, Gorbachev is quoted as saying that he believes Chernobyl is what ultimately led to the fall of the Soviet Union. And that...
1: (laughs) It wasn't anything
0: else. (laughs) No. (laughs) But I mean, honestly, that did... that's probably true. That did really push it over. Because,
1: yeah, because that was 86, the Soviet Union fell in 89, Mm -hmm. so it was like the final countdown.
0: Yeah. And part of it, too, I didn't really get into that as much but the reason people found out that there was radioactivity in Chernobyl was because radioactivity was starting to appear in Sweden and Germany and they were reporting that and they eventually figured out that it was coming from Chernobyl otherwise that no one would have known. They would have kept it quiet to themselves. I think maybe they would have tried for longer. Yeah, I think eventually it probably would have come out, mm-hmm. but it definitely wouldn't have happened as quickly. Yeah, they're like Sweden, you tattletale. I know Sweden's like Sweden's you guys like, like, her jerks. Like seriously, we don't. This is dangerous, and mm-hmm. oh, that's so scary. You know my sources for this were the chernobyl podcast and tv show i ended up using that a lot because they were really diligent about mm. their research and very accurate i used wikipedia worldnuclear.org, and cdc.gov
1: wow cdc
0: yeah i wanted to get a little more information on how acute radiation sickness worked so did you see pictures
1: Uh, No, I actually
0: didn't. (laughs) They were nice. CDC was like, we're not going to show you that.
1: (laughs) Wow, that was really good. Thank you. That was so scary. It makes you wonder, since 1986, how many people have been affected by radiation because of Chernobyl? Like, how much Mm -hmm. more messed up are humans because
0: it might have just gone everywhere? Well, there was a huge spike of cancer in the Soviet Union and the surrounding areas and unfortunately most of it was in children. Oh, that's really yeah, sad. Yeah, cuz they're just so much more sensitive. Right. Yeah, their little
1: bodies aren't developed enough. Yeah. Not that you would wish cancer on anyone, but when it's on in children, you're like, why? Mm-hmm. That just is unfair. I know. Yeah, it makes sense though because like with radiation, like if you're working like for chemo or something where you're you're putting it in your body Mm -hmm. it's such a small amount but when you're saying that's like melting it's like you're melting your insides so imagine that times a million of just being it's like you're injecting yourself
0: with the worst chemicals ever yeah but you don't even see it i know it's really terrible also the man that ran the test like a lot of people in the soviet union kind of blamed Dyatlov before they found out it was like a design flaw oh yeah but I'm like it wasn't his fault but he sounds like he was an awful person so they're like well it could be (laughs) like he never owned up to the fact that any of it was his fault and he by all accounts was a complete bully to all of his Mm -hmm. staff and they probably would have stopped the safety test if he hadn't bullied them into continuing to do it yeah He's like, if I've
1: learned anything from the Soviet Union, I will never admit my mistakes. <laughs>
0: exactly. That's very Soviet. Yeah.
1: He's like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, that was really good.
0: Yay! Thanks, Olivia. you. Thank did you.
1: Your, first, your first story. I did. Uh, <sighs>
0: do you want to take a quick break?
1: Yes, let's take a break, and we'll be back for more. Yes. So, I'm going to join your story with a completely different part of the world and a different... Time period. This is in particular a town that I am familiar with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's called Aberdeen. I know that place. Have you been there? No,
0: I no. Just know Kurt Cobain.
1: Oh yeah. So yeah, that's what it's <laughs> known for. Kurt Cobain's hometown, frontman of a band you may or may not know.
0: Me personally, no. I'm just. No.
1: <laughs> it's called uh, Dave, Girl, and His Friends. Oh, <laughs> uh, but no, Nirvana. It would be Nirvana. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm more familiar with it because of not Kurt is because it's where my grandfather is from, and so I've always just been kind of like curious about it. Like I visited there a few times, and one thing that really stood out to me was in the middle of the downtown is this restaurant called Billy's Bar and Grill naturally, when I go anywhere, you just have to look stuff up because you're like, hey, Mm -hmm. what's happening? Is it just my grandpa's hometown? Is it just Kurt Cobain's hometown? (laughs) Why is this place the uh, birthplace of grunge? Oh, I'll tell you. (laughs) But I'm like, buckle up. So this is more set in the early 1900s. And Aberdeen is kind of a a newish place. I think a lot of the West is Mm -hmm. fairly new adjacent Oregon trail and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, way before Washington was even a state, it was the Oregon territories. Mm -hmm. So this is like straight up brand new, straight (laughs) up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but anyway, Aberdeen, Washington, it was incorporated as a town in 1888. It was named after the Scottish fishing port of Aberdeen, Mm -hmm. Scotland, and what's adorable is that both Aberdeens are situated at the mouth of two rivers. So Ooh. Aberdeen, Washington, it's the Chehalis and the Wishka. In Scotland, it's rivers Dee and Dawn. <laughs> it's like Dee and Dawn in the morning. <laughs> that sounds
0: like like two sisters. I know.
1: You got your River Dee and your River Dawn. They're mad at each other right now. <laughs> they have huge hair. They they probably do. Um. So this is. Situated in Grays Harbor, and what's cute about Scotland is, like, I actually drove through Aberdeen, Scotland a few years ago, and I was just like, oh my goodness, it's so cute here. I, you know, God bless you, Aberdeen, Washington, but it's not that same vibe. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you why. So this is situated in Grays Harbor County, and in the early 20th century, so, like, turn of the century, really... It was the largest lumber shipyard in the world. Wow. Like, they were all about cutting down their trees. (laughs) And so our story really starts in 1900. A lot of people had failed at the gold rush. There were people trying Mm -hmm. to find work. A lot of people, you know, they went up to Alaska. They were coming down. They went to California. They're coming up. They're kind of meeting. A lot of these men were good at cutting down trees, and the East Coast and Midwest, their, their lumber situation is not the way it used to be. Like, it's really just, like, thinning out. It's becoming more national parks. Mm-hmm. They're not as avid tree cutters as the Pacific <laughs> Northwest, I guess. <laughs> so a, they're seeing an influx of a lot of different ethnicities, a lot of people who are just kind of migrating over, but a, like a lot of Scandinavians, a lot of German, a mm-hmm. lot of Finns. Mm-hmm. And really, they were kind of drawn to the area also because it's similar to their own home. Makes sense. Yeah. But by 1900, so it's been 20, well, more like 16 or so years since Aberdeen was really a thing on the map, it became home to saloons, brothels, and gambling establishments. Oh, lovely. And at one one point, it was nicknamed the Hell Hole of the Pacific. Oh, God. Yeah. And there's many reasons why, and remember, Billy's Bar and Grill, Mm -hmm. which is currently... A place. And I'm wearing a shirt. I know, I see it. I'm literally wearing Billy's Bar and Grill. I got his shirt the last time I went. It also was known, this little town was known as the Port of Missing Men. And (laughs) Billy's Bar and Grill is named after Billy Goal, or Ghoul. I think we looked it up, it's Ghoul. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Who was known as the Ghoul of Grace Harbor. (laughs) I mean, with a name like that, you don't have a chance. Yeah, I mean... And you know what's funny is when you look at Billy, like I showed you a picture of him, he just looks like a nice, upstanding individual. Mm-hmm. He does not look like a serial killer. He looks like he would just, like, tell you too much about IPAs. Oh, for yeah. sure. Or what's a, you know, a pilsner. And you're yes. like, I would rather die. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I got the thrills for the pills. <laughs> Sorry, that's from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay, okay so... Uh, So Aberdeen starts her story, but good old Billy, he's like the star of the show. So this is going to be about Billy Ghoul. Is he a serial killer or a working class hero? And why do they still have a restaurant named after him? I bet I can guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I bet you can. So Billy, the date of birth, it's really sketchy, but 1860 seems to be like probably 1860. Mm -hmm. I think back in the day... I don't know, like, back in the days, like, oh, they didn't have records back then. Actually, they did. I just yeah. think some people just didn't... Or they're just, like, didn't. bad at
0: keeping track of them. Yeah. And I think
1: if you're from a certain level of, like, societal class, you mm-hmm. just probably didn't have access to that. Yeah. Um, so he was probably born in Germany. But what's interesting is that he has a couple of warrants for his arrest mm-hmm. that say he was either born in Wisconsin or Bergen, Norway. Oh. So really... Billy mysterious. is he's a mystery, but Ghoul mm-hmm. is a German last name and it's actually I think a town in Germany. So I think oh. it's safe to say this German. is, is yeah. yeah, he's a German immigrant in some way. German. Yeah. So Billy, he was he just really took to a life of being a mysterious sort, not much is known about his early life. The first 40 years of his life he would answer questions about his life with a, you know, a riddle or <laughs> just outright lies. And you're like, I just really can't take you seriously, Billy. I'm sorry. But he was, he seemed like an upstanding guy. He was strong. He had a stocky build. He was, he had a clean shaven scalp, which you've seen this mm-hmm. picture.
0: Yeah.
1: He had a strong resemblance to any. Brewery owner of 2021 oh, <laughs> of Oregon. 100%. <laughs> yeah. He literally looks like he's going to tell you to buy Bitcoin and he has a Tesla. I feel like I've met people at breweries
0: that could be uh, serial killers. Yeah. So.
1: But it's like a subtle, like the subtle one. Yeah. Like they're not necessarily <laughs> demented. They're not there to make you suffer. They just want your stuff. The vibes are just off. The vibes are off. Yeah. Please give me your stuff. So he did not look very different from the the timber cutters and the seamen who worked in Aberdeen he just he he fit in no one got bad vibes from him
0: which you know he just he he looked the same I'm sorry they didn't get bad vibes from someone that would tell riddles about his work (laughs) (laughs) which makes you wonder it was called the hell hole of the pacific and they're like true they're like you know what this guy's all right (laughs)
1: he had a few stints this is where it becomes sketchy with his backstory Uh, because of many people including um i read the book of the port of missing men by aaron goings where he actually advocates for for billy that Hmm. he is a working class hero but i'm going to explain why and why some people think he's actually a serial killer i feel like i'm For our first podcast episode, I feel like I'm doing a lot of circling. I'm like, and then we're back. And then we're back. (laughs) So now we're back. It's still Aberdeen. It's still 1900. (laughs) Billy's still around. He still has a mustache. We still don't know what he's about. Billy, what are you about? And He's like, well, riddle me this. (laughs) So as time goes on, he leaves Germany. He becomes a member of the gold. I don't know if you say you're gold rushing. Are you a member of the gold rush? Is it a club? It's not a club. You're just looking for gold. I don't know, I don't know enough about the gold rush. either look into that, but he ended up in the Yukon and many failed attempts, which I think a lot of people I think gold um was not found by many, and um he ended up lighting somebody's house on fire, oh yeah. And I'm not sure if that was just frustration out of lack of gold <laughs> yeah, just, or if it was just, who like, knows? Like,
0: I'm mad I didn't find gold. Right, but <laughs> yeah. there's
1: not too much to be known about that. So it could have been, is this just a, a tale mm-hmm. or is this fact? But as he progressed downward to Washington, he worked as a bartender and then he was employed as the union official at the Sailors Union of the Pacific. So he would see uh, sailors come in Usually at odd hours, sailors would come in at like the, you know, the middle of the night and usually a lot of times they would be alone Mm -hmm. or they would, you know, file in, look for their, they would have mail that would come in. They would have very few possessions, but they would have a lot of money because you make money at sea and you would collect your earnings. Mm -hmm. Um, but so he was basically in charge of taking care of these people and Billy, he seemed so likable that he often would be working alone. He was really good at his job that they felt like, Oh, I don't need anyone to be watching him. He's just Billy, the, <laughs> the main guy. So between 1909 and 1912, um, while Billy is tending this operation by himself of the head of the sailors union, um, Aberdeen became a pretty violent port, hence the name of Port of Missing Men. Usually, sailors would not return. They would go out to sea, or they would come back, and then they would just be gone. Or usually, if you were working as a timber cutter, you would wake up and feel like, I'm not going to live because my <laughs> yeah. life is so hard. They felt like they're really like living with one foot in the grave. Or you'd wake up and be like, is this the day I die? Because it's either you're going to get, you're cutting a tree, it's going to land on you. You're going to take it to the sawmill. You're going to cut your face off. I don't know. Yeah. And what Billy really noticed, and this is where you feel like, oh, he was a good guy, is he would advocate for the working man. Mm -hmm. He would see where there was a lack of safety. I'm like, OSHA would have a field day. There's like no safety
0: procedures at all. I was going to say, is he the origin of OSHA? I know, (laughs) right? (laughs)
1: But he would get frustrated with people in charge because they would not, I mean, it would just be expendable. Yeah. There's so many men that need work mm-hmm. that it would be like, I'm, you know. And a lot of times these men would come homeless. They'd spend their money, you know, the very few dollars they would earn, they would use it at the brothel or mm-hmm. gambling. So a lot of times they'd just be homeless. And so he would start to advocate for, like, a, even a shanty town on the port to be like, can we please give these men some some space to call home before they die. Well, so far he sounds good. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, no, I see where this is coming from. I I really went into this thinking, okay, this is the ghoul of Grace Harbor, but really he just is a nice guy. But this is where he would kind of be a go-between between between the police and the higher-ups, but he also was kind of at the same time seeming a little bit shady. The sailors would arrive to Aberdeen. They would visit the sailors union soon after disembarking. Billy would see them collect their mail or he would help them set um, aside money for savings. He would be on duty alone. Like I said, he would turn the conversation to money and valuables. And this is where Mm -hmm. it gets a little tricky. Yes. He's being the working class hero, but it's also like he, he's got a mind for what else can I get? He's a little shady. He's a little bit shady. Yeah. Yeah. So you would turn the conversation to money and valuables. If the sailor was passing through, Billy would recognize this person is not going to be missed by anyone in the area. And especially if they had a large amount of cash, Mm -hmm. it's how Billy would choose his next victim. So Billy would have a revolver with him, which I think is just natural working in the union building. You were just (laughs) given a revolver. Yeah. Um, So when a sailor would reveal their money and their valuables, he would... Uh, shoot them in the forehead. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and at this t- the same time, I'm thinking, well, back then there wasn't like a way to silence the shotgun mm-hmm. a shotgun or a pistol, but this is a chaotic place. Yeah. I mean, there are literally boats coming in and out. There are like horse drawn carriages or carts with, you know, tons of lumber. I'm sure if they hear a loud sound, they're just like, okay, you know, you know probably other people just shooting guns. Exactly. Too. And I'm like, and this is like literally a yeah, this is the hell hole. So, people are going to be like, "Oh, it was uh, Billy, who cares?" So, he would shoot them in the forehead um and then he would there was a chute under like his desk basically that led right into the Wishka River mm-hmm. and he would just drag their body over, open the chute, drop him in and it was that the boat they disembarked from, they're not going back. Mm -hmm. They're probably heading to Seattle or Portland or maybe even to start timber cutting because, you know, their, their journey is over and bodies would not be reported because no one really knew they were there except for Billy. Mm -hmm. Some reports state that Billy would use a launch to murder his victims and dump the bodies into the Harbor, which sounds a little far-fetched, like, like A watch? Like a way of... What's it called? That old... Like a... That medieval weapon they would use to... Like the catapult? Like a catapult, which I'm like, I think people would see that. I feel like
0: people would notice. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, he has like... It's like a... Like a potato gun. <laughs> There's he... just
0: like bodies being I know.
1: flung in the air. <laughs> Which... From what it sounds like, Aberdeen was such a rough place. I it wouldn't surprise me if people just saw a body <laughs> flying into the water and they're like, "There's another one." And they're like, "Well, there's Jim." <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't think that. I think it was probably the shoot makes a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Other reports state that yeah, he had the the launch. So Billy started to be suspected. Eventually, people did start to to ask questions, mm-hmm. and the reason why is because bodies started floating up onto shore or random places and they they do as they do I mean you can't just get rid of a body billy (laughs) the don't you know how the tides work he's like I don't care Uh, yeah and I don't know if their science was good enough to be like these you know there's a bullet in this man or Mm -hmm. if it went through they're like okay everyone has a bullet hole Mm -hmm. Uh, they're all sailors kind of like "Mm, their pockets are empty yeah, so clearly, this person's been robbed yeah. and murdered because of it. So since he was being suspected, people started to be a little bit wary. However, because he was such a working class hero, a lot of people would kind of turn a blind eye like, well, you're taking care of yourself. So really nothing was done to stop him. Typical. Yeah. Until he had an accomplice, which is always where you just... Don't trust people. Don't trust people. (laughs) Even if they're both shady. Even if you're like, hey, I'm a bad guy. You're a bad guy. Let's be bad together. Guess what? Trust the shady person even less. No, right. Because it's like, like kind of like once a cheater, always a cheater. Like, how do you know that person's not going to cheat on you? Well, John Klingenberg. (laughs) (laughs) John Klingenberg. He was a cheater. So, he was Billy's accomplice, and people started to assume things. However, John was kind of smart he He knew that if he said anything about Billy, Billy would probably send him to a watery grave, yeah because of his big mouth, he jumped on a ship to Mexico. <laughs> But because people on the ship found out that he might have had association with Billy, and Billy, you know, people are starting to talk, that people brought him back to Aberdeen from that boat. They're
0: like, you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere.
1: So John Klingenberg, not much is known about him. I tried to find anything, which other than his name and the fact that he knows Billy, not much is known about him. And I'm not even sure how Billy even came to know him or, you know, got him in on his racket. Mm-hmm. Like, he, did he oversee something? And it was like, I can't handle you suddenly dying because you're important. Who knows? Yeah. Or maybe like, maybe he saw Billy doing something. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, maybe he blackmailed him. It could be. could be. John Klingenberg was able to testify seeing Billy alone with a sailor, which. Also, I mean, I don't know if we can trust him. He might be making this up, but Mm -hmm. that's probably how he got him in the first place. So this sailor that now has a name, because most of them are nameless because people don't seem to care about them, which is sad. sad. Yeah, his name was Charles Hatberg. His body had been found in the harbor next to Aberdeen, and he had been reported missing. Billy had already been arrested for this murder because people started to be suspected, but they did not have any evidence. They they couldn't keep him. But because John Klingenberg had been brought back from his escape to Mexico, mm-hmm. he could you know, corroborate. It sounds a little bit shady. It seems a little bit like, how do we know? He sounds like he could be like a snitch. A little bit. Like, how reliable is this source? Mm-hmm. But anyway. Of the bodies that came up to shore, they counted 41.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: A lot of times, um, when you look up Billy, it'll say that his victim numbers were in the hundreds. Mm. But, so this is where Aaron Goings, who is actually a doctor, Dr. Aaron Goings, um, starts to intimate, this is a really tough place to work. And unless they have a bullet hole in their body, which... It's hard to say if they did. Who knows if they had, like, a corner there. Mm -hmm. It was was a very rough place. Yeah. This is people who are working um, with their life in their hands. Mm -hmm. These are people who they really thought they could just die at any given moment. And it's almost like they were attributing every dead body to Billy. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And just because they have, uh, you know, an eyewitness, this guy is not to be trusted Mm -hmm. because we don't really know about him. And if Billy is starting to make waves for trying to advocate for the working man, it would be very convenient if people who had money, who could not see to lose any more money started to um, push this evidence on Billy. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Maybe he had killed a few, but 41 or up to a hundred it seems like that's a that's a big stretch. However, some people are like, yeah, that's just those are the facts. He is that big of a serial
0: killer. That seems hard to believe to yeah, me. Yeah. I mean, plus people like they had dangerous jobs mm-hmm. or like they might have just been depressed because it sounded like an awful life. They might have died right. by suicide. Yep. Like, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: They might have used all of their money to get themselves to Alaska for the gold rush and they lost it all. And now they're stuck Mm -hmm. waiting to just die at sea. And they're like, this is it. I'm done. Yeah. One other thing that was really interesting that I, I read about in Aaron goings book is that these important businessmen who usually they didn't even live in Aberdeen. They would be in Seattle and Olympia and Tacoma. They would see this like, extreme talk of getting help for the working man as leftist speech. Mm -hmm. They even tried to pass a law that if you even said anything about your working conditions, you could be immediately jailed and fined. So because they wanted to know a little bit more about the goings on of like this underbelly of is Billy trying to start something by helping Mm -hmm. out his fellow man, they employed Pinkerton detectives mm. to basically become a spy, uh-huh. and so what Aaron Goings has discovered is that has a a Pinkerton detective drummed up evidence and placed it on Billy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really muddy. You can see where he might have not been a great guy. Mm-hmm. He's it's a real gray area. I mean. The first thing you hear about him is how he, you know, lit someone's house on fire in Alaska before heading to yeah. Washington. There is a trap door in the the Union Building, mm-hmm. and being alone with sailors with money, that is an actual thing that he could have done. But did he kill in the hundreds? You know, who's mm-hmm. to say? But it doesn't matter because there is no justice on 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 either <laughs> yeah on either of Without the anything. sides yeah. <laughs> Okay, so after the Charles Hatburg murder, they also had, quote-unquote, eyewitness of the murder of John Hoffman. They said that he was injured and killed by Ghoul, and then he basically just floated up the next day, but at the same time, uh, they said that he did not have any bullet wounds Mm. in his body. So, but they, they basically, whoever found the body, they were like, well... You know, Billy didn't have his gun with him, obviously. He just beat him to death. Obviously. Obviously. Whether it's true or not, it's pretty obvious. The Union Building is an ideal location for crimes. Um, you could conceal evidence of their murders by throwing their bodies in the water. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll float up, which they probably do. So it just seemed like this makes sense. And since he'd be on duty alone, these are all the things that were pointing towards his guilt. So... John Klingenberg testified to the Charles Hatburg murder mm. and he said that Charles Hatberg had been shot with a 38 automatic pistol. Um, but what was interesting is that the pistol had been found on his body. So they said mm. that Billy had left his gun there. That's why they said, you know, the next person murdered was probably beaten to death. So it makes sense. There was no bullet, but it's at the same time, you know, why risk it if, if yeah. that's what your, your, and why MO won't is. you just get another pistol? Uh, right. Yeah. By February, 1910, Billy Gool, Ghoul. I'm so sorry, Billy. <laughs> it's ghoul <laughs> Billy Ghoul had been arrested and this was for the Hatburg murder. Um, uh, they did not have enough as evidence for, um, the, Oh no, I lost the name of that guy. Oh no. Roman, I'm sorry. (laughs) He's like, Olivia, you did great. Drew, you got to work on. Oh, my gosh! What was that guy's name? John Hoffman. Oh, my gosh. Okay. By the time John Klingenberg had been taken back and they forced, you know, forced him to admit that he had seen uh, Charles Hatberg shot by Billy Gould. It was December 21st, 1909. By this time, they did not have enough evidence um, against Gould for the Hoffman murder, but basically they said that it didn't really matter because they were just going to attribute any dead body they found to him. Mm-hmm. So by February 1910, Billy was arrested for the Hatburg murder, though suspected for 41 more murders. Mm. And then of course... As, you know, time goes on, they're just going to be like, well... They're just going to keep adding. Yeah, Yeah. they're like, oh, unlike the Soviet Union, that will keep their one (laughs) amount, Billy's (laughs) is just going to keep going up. So he was arrested in February. On May 12th, 1910, he was sentenced to life imprisonment. And this, I think a year prior to the sentencing, Washington had abolished their death penalty. So he had just missed that. I was going to say, I was surprised they didn't sentence him to death. Yeah, like, usually... That would be a hanging. Mm -hmm. But nope. Life in prison. Um, He was taken to the state prison on June 13th. In addition to the Hatberg murder and the supposed Hoffman murder, a witness to the Hatberg murder was shot and injured by Gould the night of the murder, somebody says. Mm -hmm. And so then he was killed the next day by Klingenberg. That's also just word of mouth. But because somebody says this, they have now sentenced Klingenberg To 20 years in prison. Mm -hmm. They don't have the evidence for that completely though, but I feel like he probably did some stuff. (laughs) Yeah. He seems a little bit shady. John Hoffman had been killed on December 23rd, 1909 and had been robbed about $400. That make, that's why they were like, this is clearly a, a Billy thing. Not much is known of his remains because he was disposed near Indian Creek near the Harbor. Um, But they found a human skeleton, but they don't really know if that's Hoffman. Mm -hmm. Other corpses in the area uh, are... Oh my gosh. Other (laughs) corpses in the area are suggested to be victims of Billy. Um, One of them is the body of Carl Carlson. (laughs) <laughs> i'm like why do i feel like i i know someone name? you're like carl carlson he was found on april 27th 1910 floating in the harbor but they don't say how advanced his decay was because mm-hmm. if you remember billy was arrested in february yeah so he, they found his body in april but they still attributed him as another victim of billy's okay yeah <laughs> Despite being in state prison, eventually he was transferred to an asylum for the criminally insane Walla Walla State Penitentiary was where he was sentenced to life in prison. But the criminally insane is where he unfortunately contracted dementia paralytic caused by syphilis, which does not sound lovely. And he ended up passing away at the Eastern State Hospital in Spokane on March 1927. So, you know, there ends the reign of terror of Billy Gould, but it still seems a little bit up in the air of, you know, did this really happen? Yeah, yeah. he probably did some things, but what's funny on Wikipedia, it shows victims to, in parentheses, possibly a hundred plus. Oh my God. <laughs> so what's, what's fascinating about this is, um, My great-grandparents moved to Aberdeen in the 1920s when Billy's still alive. Like, he's Mm -hmm. not there anymore. This, you know, is why my grandfather grew up there. And it's just that that whole connection is just a little bit funny of... It seems so far away, but my grandfather was alive around the time (laughs) that Billy was there. Yeah. That's
0: so funny. Yeah.
1: So in the beginning of my story, I've referenced Billy's Bar and Grill. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I'm not sure what it means when you name your restaurant after a serial killer, <laughs> right. but I'm impressed. The website of Billy's Bar and Grill is kind of awesome, and I'm just going to to reference it. It says, end quote, So yes, Billy is named after the Billy who did, in fact, exist in Aberdeen's colorful past. These were times when opportunists, flourished, and flamboyant operators often controlled the growing towns. In an area teeming with lumbering, fishing, and sailing activity around the early part of our century, our baby-faced Billy stands out as a figure of considerable notoriety. Mm -hmm. A man of dashing savoir-faire, Billy was, at first, admired and respected as the secretary of the local sailors' union headquartered above the Grand Saloon. Soon, however, Billy began to make up his own rules directed by a spirit of melodrama and self-serving adventure. (laughs) Eventually, mysterious arsons, murders, robberies, and shootings were traced to Billy and his overly enthusiastic methods of operation. After a sensational trial, Billy was sent to prison where, we're happy to report, he was a model prisoner until he contracted I thought they were saying we were happy to report he died I know I know I'm like do they are they like do they love are they pro are they against I know it's just interesting and this is my favorite part well none of us is perfect folks (laughs) (laughs) and Billy in his brief but spectacular career he at least gave it his best shot oh no and he shot people (laughs) I know I don't know if they did that on purpose. Anyway, they just reference his lucky house rules of when he was a bartender mm-hmm. and really it just kind of goes into the, you know, the portion of their restaurant of, you know, serving high quality food and beverages. They don't reference anything about not murdering anyone, which they should. I, they should. I just think it's very interesting that uh, Billy is alive and well and he and Kurt Cobain, they the spirit of Aberdeen lives on. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately,
0: they both died tragically. <laughs> I know, but my first question, the most important one, is: mm-hmm. Is the food good there?
1: It was good. It was, it was basically pub food, which I think you I think can't like go wrong. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it'd be worth. It would be worth doing a a podcast road trip someday. I, I would do a road trip with you. Yeah. Yeah, you can. We can visit Kurt Cobain's park, mm-hmm.
0: and we can go to Billy's. Yeah, and. uh... We'll find some other third thing.
1: Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. there's <laughs> it's the Pacific Northwest. There's a lot of said. That's true. That's it's like a anyway, that is the story
0: of Billy Ghoul, the ghoul of Grace Harbor. That was interesting. Also, one of the things I don't know I don't know what I think if he's a murderer or if he was just like a scapegoat, right. but part of me is like, well, if he is alone working at this port and all these sailors are coming in, what if he killed some of them in self-defense? Like, oh, I that's would, true. I would imagine that's probably part of why he has a pistol.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess he would probably you would think if he would report it if it was self-defense, but it sounds like it was a pretty lawless place. Uh, yeah. Then the uh, the police officers were kind of kept in the back pocket of. Mm-hmm. people who ran the town. Yeah. So I don't know if they
0: would necessarily help somebody who... Yeah, and even, even if he did say that, I feel like they probably wouldn't Oh yeah. report it. Yeah,
1: that's a really good question. Yeah.
0: I don't know, just a thought.
1: Yeah. So, this man. The one thing I was going to show you is when looking up his picture, mm-hmm. somebody drew this picture of him. <laughs> I don't know what era. I don't know if it's from... The turn of the century when he was, you know, on trial, or if it was more current. But this is just, I mean, now that you know what he looks like, this is just, this would be my 13th reason why. I'm like, <laughs> not, that I, not that I condone murder at all. Yeah. If I saw this picture of myself, I would have been like, all right, that's it. <laughs> and I believe we should post this on our Instagram. Okay. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah it doesn't look anything like him no it's no it just is like oh that's was great. that their first time drawing
1: <laughs> they're like that's Bill- if i know anyone that's billy <laughs> and billy'd be
0: like all right that's it he's like if i ever get out i'm coming for you <laughs> i'm coming for you he's like but i got syphilis yeah. oh oh man that's a. I i mean i don't i would imagine that's pretty bad way to go no I don't
1: like that I know one time we visited Alcatraz and they were really quick to tell us that um Al Capone died of syphilis in Alcatraz I could not imagine a worse way to go in a least comforting place (laughs) like you know I know you did some terrible things but yikes yeah that was pretty common back then I think a lot of people died of syphilis yeah well, I know, and I feel like that was that was really fun for our first our first uh, venture into podcasting. I feel like with my ADH brain, ADHD brain, my <laughs> high definition brain, nope, my ADHD brain. I'm gonna be really thorough about writing out
0: my notes because I felt like a few times it was a little clustered. Oh no, you did good. I felt like. My uh, anxiety brain just makes me talk super fast, and so then I, I can't catch my breath, so... You're like, the boron and the ze- xenon! <laughs> Started having uh, a
1: panic attack. Right. No, you did really good. Thank you. You're like, natural
0: podcaster. So are you. Thanks. Do we have anything to say at the end that we want to wrap up with? If you're the head of a union building working alone, don't shoot anyone in the forehead. No. I mean, if nothing else, just because if you do it once, they're going to pin it all on you.
1: Yeah. If I've learned anything about capitalism,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you
1: cannot um, make your way in the world if you have a rich white men pushing you down.
0: Yeah. Also, just just admit your mistakes because mm-hmm. you never know when not admitting a mistake will lead to a Chernobyl event. Yeah whether in your life or in the world (laughs) yeah
1: mentally emotionally just avoid
0: your own chernobyl yeah please don't have your own chernobyl yeah and i'm saying that to myself too because i'm bad at admitting my mistakes (laughs) yeah oh man (laughs) that
1: was a big lesson i learned yesterday chatting with a mutual friend where (laughs) i was immediately like i have
0: made a terrible mistake and i'm going to admit it well you're gonna have to tell me that off the pod stay tuned For more oddities and curiosities...